Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. No, no. I was going to say something really funny, but I decided not to. Adrift with Jeff Lloyd and Annabelle Port. Hello. Hello. I want to start with an apology. There wasn't an episode last week which I felt very bad about because we hadn't skipped a week before apart from you know when we're off for christmas um but my house was full of sickness and i'm still not much better as you can hear from my voice i mean i do think this episode is going to be quite painful to listen to your voice is very bad um I, I, i didn't want to miss another week no so here we are and i mean this house is full of sickness i've been ill sarah's been ill our son eugene has been ill i thought about getting you know one of those medieval plague masks <laughs> that yeah. looks sort of like a beak yeah, yeah. i was going to get you one of those for when you came in today <laughs> you know when sometimes when people are ill and their voice goes husky and it can be quite sexy <laughs> You just sound really, really ill. Yeah, I know. I don't have. Occasionally, when on the radio, um, you know, if I've been out singing karaoke, it would just go really deep down mm-hmm. like there. But that hasn't happened this time. Although, here's the thing I did think at first, I just put it down to singing karaoke too energetically. Uh, right, yeah. So, I went out with my friends Louise and Rob, um, me and Sarah, and my opening number was James, Born of Frustration. Oh, I love that. But I really overexerted myself, and it's not an easy song to sing. Mm. And then I couldn't, I was sort of done for the rest of the night. I couldn't really give my all on any other song. Um, and then the next morning I woke up like this and I just assumed it was karaoke based. Mm-mm. And then I just, just got really sick. Maybe karaoke caused the illness. It brought it on. Yeah. I think it like lowered my immune system. Yes, yeah, because you were too over exuberant. Do you want to know what I've got? What have you got? Strep A. You have not. Yep. You've got strep A? Yep. Not strep B? Nope. <laughs> what is strep A? I don't know. <laughs> I, went, I went to the doctors and I'm on antibiotics. No. And I mentioned this because my trip to the doctor immediately after that happened, a terrible, terrible thing happened. Oh, and, go on. And I thought, well, that is, I mean, sort of quintessential adrift. Yeah. So I go to the doctor and uh, I f- feel pleased that I've got a diagnosis. So I think I'll go and buy a sandwich from Pret-a-Manger. <laughs> right. So I go in Pret-a-Manger, get a sandwich, and then I just feel too ill to take the um, tube and the bus home. I'm feeling rotten at this mm. point. I've got a temperature, blah, blah, blah. So I order um, an Uber on my phone. Mm. 
feel slightly odd saying that because I could never say that on the radio mm. because so many black cab drivers listen to Absolute and Virgin that if I ever mentioned Uber, they, they'd go mental. Yeah, yeah. Now, I also use black cabs from time to time, Mm-mm. but, you know, so it, it feels oddly liberating. <laughs> and I know there's problems with Uber as a company, but generally not with the drivers. The drivers are nice people. Mm-mm. Anyway, none of this is pertinent to the story. Okay. You know, the, the salient detail here is I was leaving the sandwich shop and I had a taxi arriving. As I come out of the sandwich shop, there's a homeless man there mm. selling the big issue. Mm. He says, big issue, sir. And I haven't got any cash on me. He says, I'm sorry, I've got no cash on me. He's go, he goes, oh, come on, I can change a 10 or a 20. I said, no, seriously, I've not got any cash on me. He said, what about electronic bank, bank transfer? <laughs> right. So he says electronic bank transfer, and my first thought is he's being cheeky. Yeah. So I sort of laugh. Yeah. And he says, no, no, you could do a bank transfer. I've got my um, bank card here. You could copy down the details and do oh. transfer on your oh, phone. Oh, wow. Okay. So I said, you know what? I'm going to do that. I'll, I'll, send you, um, I'll send you a fiver when I get home. He says, great. So he gets his bank card out, and I type in the details into the notes on my phone. Yeah. And I think, when I get home, I'm going to send this guy some money. He says, very kind of you. I said, I promise you, I'll do it. Yeah. Get home. Yeah. Open up the banking app. Make a decision. I'm not going to send him a fiver. Right. I'm going to send him £20. Oh, very nice. Think, what a lovely surprise that's Yeah, that'll be. brighten his day, yeah. So type in his name in the name box, you know, when you make a payment on your online banking. Yeah. Type in his sort code. Get a little green tick next to it. Type in the account number. Yeah. Get a cross, like a red cross, and it says number incorrect. Oh, oh no, you've already done wrong. Yeah. Oh, no. God. Yeah. He's going to think that you're the devil himself. Yeah, that I made him go to all the oh. length of giving me his bank details, only to never send him <laughs> in. But I really intended to do it. You haven't been back of you. No, I'm no, never going back to that pretzel again. No, yeah. no. But it reminded me of something that once happened to me. I've told this story before, I think on the radio, not on the podcast. Years and years ago, I went to India and I stayed at this hotel and I was wearing a T-shirt and the T-shirt was um, Comic Relief's T-shirt that year. And it was a famous Linda McCartney photo of the Beatles um, in the psychedelic era. It's all four of them, but John and um, Paul are shaking hands. And then Stella McCartney, the designer of the T-shirts that year, had sort of superimposed red noses onto all of them. Okay. And like over the course of holiday, I'm not one for making friends on holiday, but I'd said hello to this lovely German man called Hans a few times and we'd had a bit of a chat. So I go down to the pool, I'm wearing this T-shirt. <coughs> Excuse me. He comes over and he says, that is a great T-shirt. I said, oh, thanks. And I explained the comic relief thing. He went, I'd love a T-shirt like that. Said, Do you think it's available in Germany? I said, I'd, I'd be surprised if it is actually. He says, why don't I give you my um, address and uh, I'll give you some money and you can get me one. I said, look, I'll just buy you one. You don't need to give me the money. And he said, no, no, I insist. I said, no, no, I'll, I'll buy the T-shirt for you. He says, no, I absolutely insist. How much is it? So I said, I'm, I'm guessing around at 20 euros. Mm. So he gives me 20 euros. I come back to the UK, oh, no. ready to order this thing. Yeah. Lost the piece of paper with his address. Oh, God. It's, oh, no. Yeah. It looks like you just stole the yeah, money. I know. Oh, I know. Awful. I know. And also that money would have gone to charity. Yeah, I know, <laughs> it's I know. Worse. Oh. When you start thinking, your mind begins to start loving. Adrift with Jeff Lloyd and Annabelle. 
chords. Oh, touch it. Touch it. Well, it's up to you and to Annabelle, but you, the drifters, to do the heavy lifting on this week's podcast with my voice being like this. Um, so how's it looking this week yes. on the email? Yeah, i got some emails for you. Okay. Okay, first one is from Anon. As I write this... Can I just say something? Yeah, I, yeah. I, I did a thing... Um, a while ago with the comedian Sarah Pascoe. Oh, uh, yeah. Where she was sort of hosting this um, show that I'd written. Uh-huh. And she was up on stage and um, she was taking some questions from the audience. Or, or I can't quite remember what it was, but that was generally what was going on. And an audience member put the hand up and asked a question and everybody laughed at the question. You know, it was something where they admitted something a bit embarrassing about themselves. Sarah says, what's your name? And they said, Anon. And quick as a flash, she goes, ah, I've read a lot of your poetry. Oh, very nice. <laughs> That's yeah, really, yeah, yeah. really good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, now it could be, I've heard a lot of your emails on a drift. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and that okay. was a lightning quick response. From Anon. Yeah. As I write this, I am genuinely curling my toes and feeling as bad as I did in the moment that it happened. I work in a busy office with lots of people coming in and out all the time and dread the introductions to new staff and visitors. On the plus side, I do work with some great people who know me very well and are all aware of my reputation for somehow turning normal, everyday moments into cringeworthy, unforgettable encounters. (laughs) It's not unusual for someone to shout over the office, I'm just telling so-and-so about that time you... Then the office will go quiet whilst everyone listens in case they've not heard this latest event in my catalogue of desperate social moments. We had a woman start working for us and as she was being shown around the office and introductions were being made, I could feel my nerves rising as they got closer. I did the only thing I could and faked a phone call and waved as the newbie went past. My desk is. Can I just, first of all, I just want to salute you for doing that. That's a great strategy. Definitely, yes. My desk is near the printer and I often get roped into helping people sort problems out with it. As luck would have it, the newbie was stood at the printer trying to figure out how to log on or something. I took this as the ideal opportunity to introduce myself as it wouldn't involve trying to generate small talk. I don't really know how it could have gone worse. I rehearsed what I was going to say. (laughs) Printers, bane of the IT world, let me help. What I actually said was... Printers, bastards of the uh, uh, office. (laughs) I should have just walked away, but no, I didn't, did I? What I actually did was to try and front it out by saying, you don't need me to teach you to suck eggs. But (laughs) what came out of my mouth was, do you want me to teach you to suck my eggs? She gave me that puzzled, disbelieving look that says, what did you say? I just said, no, 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 that, that came out all wrong and slunk back to my desk, wishing the ground would swallow me up. A few minutes later, the newbie came up and put a cup of coffee on my desk and said, it's OK, I've been told about you. Then left after an awkward silence. I took the next day off. Can I just say, like, it would have been an odd say. It would have been an odd thing to say. <laughs> You don't need me to you to suck eggs. That would have been weird in itself. Yeah, like just your idea of what would have been like an, an okay social interaction. <laughs> oh dear. Oh man. I think is... I could go back to working in an office if, if I worked with that person. <laughs> oh, right. Okay, let's move on. Uh, this is uh, Mylan. I usually listen to audiobooks or podcasts in the car. One of my favourite podcasts is one about productivity called The Productive Woman. Laura, the host, ends each episode with the same sentence. Remember, extend grace to each other. 
And then I usually look and sound like a cheerleader when I say with her out loud and to yourself, go, go and make your life matter. The thing is that I usually listen to the podcast when I'm alone in my car. Just picture this. For some reason, I couldn't use the car the other day, so I did my commute by train. We have a very good railway system in Switzerland, but on some lines, the train doesn't stop every five minutes and you get to spend a significant amount of time with the same people. I had my earphones on and was listening to the Productive Woman podcast. And as you can imagine, yes, I almost screamed, and to yourself, go and make your life matter to a crowded carriage. The 20 minutes until the next stop were the longest of my life. It's like I'm reliving the same five seconds <laughs> over and over again. Finally, this is from Arbery. I know how to say it because they say, pronounce as though you found a bit of cheese in your fridge. Arbery. <laughs> Arbery. That's great. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I work in middle management in a finance firm and the way our reporting lines are structured is that you don't just have one boss but work for several different partners depending on the client. Having been a bit overstretched in the busy season, I made the decision to block certain strategic contacts on the internal messenger app so that I appear offline to them. The people I blocked were typically those that would ask you a question every three minutes and expect an immediate reply. One of these being a partner on one of my smaller jobs who tends to micromanage me a bit. There was no harm meant. I was simply trying to survive the busy season. And also, I wasn't not doing my job. I was simply delaying replies to more convenient times. Now, having defended myself, let's get on to the incident. Yeah. Fast forward to September. This uh, this was in January to April, I think she says earlier. Yes, the busy season, January to April. Fast forward to September. I had completely forgotten that I had blocked her. And over the past few months, I'd gotten so used to her name having the blocked sign that I didn't think twice of showing her my laptop one day when uh, at her desk, which uh, included an email she was CC'd in. Hang on, she exclaimed. Why does my name have a red stripe next to it? And why did you appear offline on my laptop? She said, looking back at her own screen. I felt myself go red immediately. I lowered my voice as there were a lot of people around and she had attracted some attention. I told her that I had no idea and commented on how strange it was before trying desperately to change the subject, but she wouldn't have it. She made me go into the messenger where we clearly saw that her name fell under a list of people who were blocked. At this stage, I realised the only way to go was to fake ignorance and play along. I exclaimed once more how strange it is. And look, there are others blocked also. I told her I must have done it by accident. She seemed pleased that she wasn't the only one blocked, but still sceptical. To make it all worse, I could hear people sniggering all around me. (laughs) Clearly those more tech-savvy knew exactly what had happened. I refused to look up in fear of making eye contact with them. Luckily, I don't sit in that department, so I don't know the people who sat there. Cut to two days later, I had unblocked her and just thought that I'd just not bring it up again. I was at her desk again and after a while she mentioned that she can now see me online again for the first time in months. I told her that I'd phoned IT and they'd fixed it, but I still don't know how it happened. She joked that I must have gotten tired of her. I just laughed and tried again to change the subject. Again, I heard the same sniggers from the tables around me. Not loud enough for her to catch on, but loud enough for me to be tormented by them daily. That's wonderful. I sometimes think that all hell would break loose if ever the list of people you've got muted on things like Instagram and Twitter oh, and Facebook yeah. leaked out there. It could be a kiss spell the end of the world. It really yeah, could, yeah. 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 Um, we'd love to hear from you. Those were real top-notch uh, email messages this week. and We'd love to hear your story, please, of failed social interactions, blurting things out, being betrayed by uh, technology... 
all this kind of thing. Um, your, your endeavours to try and pretend you're just like everyone else and then getting it wrong. You can email hello at adriftpodcast.com. Until we're all caught out pretending we know what we're doing, which we don't, obviously. Mm, it's quite apparent. Adrift. Annabelle. Yes. Uh, you want to tell us a story? I do. That What I was trying to do there was channel, was it Max Bygraves who used to come on and say, I want to tell you a story. Oh, I don't know. But I, I couldn't do an impersonation and I also couldn't, didn't really commit to it. <laughs> right. And I thought probably a lot of the listeners won't remember Max Bygraves or indeed that that was his catchphrase. Mm. And as I'm saying it, I'm not even that convinced that it was. Okay. But you do have a story. Yes, I do, yeah. Uh, what, subject, what subject is it this week? Well, I'm taking you back today to the radio show days mm. and to one day in particular, our last ever breakfast show at what was then Virgin <laughs> Radio. So... Three years of 3am starts were coming to an end. So I'm not going to lie, I was very happy. Not that I didn't enjoy the breakfast show. They were good bits. Like I liked meeting all the Big Brother contestants when they came on the show. And the old Virgin Radio was generally a lovely place to work for most of the time. One thing it wasn't though, it wasn't very diverse. The vast majority, I would say, were under 35. It was such a young company. Do you remember that woman who worked in accounts for a bit? She was probably only in her 40s or maybe her early 50s. And she seemed so noticeably older that we called her mum behind her back. (laughs) Mum. I think somebody with, like a man with grey hair once worked in sales. Yes, and he was dad. (laughs) Behind his back. It was also very, very white. Not completely, but it was pretty white. So back to the last day of the breakfast show. And, you know, we weren't slinking out. No, we were going out in a blaze of imagined glory. We had a curry (laughs) delivered to the studio every morning of that last week of doing the breakfast show. We also had recording messages from a variety of celebrities, including Ahmed from Big Brother 5. (laughs) That's the only one I remember. Like There was probably like stuff from the likes of Paul McCartney, but the only one that sticks (laughs) in my mind is Ahmed. (laughs) When the show finished... The whole staff of the radio station, they lined the stairs and cheered us as we, le- as we left the building. Yeah. We went on to a posh breakfast at a posh hotel. We had a whole day of fun, didn't we? Karaoke, Good. we went to the ice bar. Yes. We had a big leaving party in the evening. I know. And we weren't even leaving the station. No. How things are different when we actually left. That's a bit more. Okay, bye then. <laughs> so different. So we also, mm. to this last show, we also invited a group of listeners to join us. I think, would you say it's about 50? Maybe about 50? Yeah, yeah, about 50 people. And it was amazing because, I mean, it was a breakfast show that started at six o'clock. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, In the morning. Yeah, yeah. In case people don't understand the concept (laughs) of a breakfast show. Yeah, thank you. So they were in the, these listeners were in the studio for some parts and the rest of the time we set up like a party room down the corridor. There was food and from memory there was booze as well, am I right? I think so, yeah. yeah. So Maybe sort of like books, fizz, mimosa type things. Civilised. Foods. Yeah, yeah, and um, and some some of the fifty listeners they were there from the very start at six a.m. and one of these really stood out for me. It was partly my job to help look after the listeners, and this one particular person was visibly very drunk and making a real nuisance of himself. And I think there might have been other issues going on for him too. Like I'm not sure how well he was. By about six thirty, I'd had enough. He needed to go. So I get the security. He was quite disruptive. He was very disruptive. Yeah. 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 So I get the security to come up. 
I'm not someone who likes to see colour, but it's relevant that this security guard was one of the few black people in the building. Mm-hmm. It wasn't Martin, if anyone remembers him from the old radio show. His shift started later. Yeah. So the security guard comes up and I tell him that there's a problem with one of the listeners and could you get him to leave? Now, this security guard, who was a lovely man, tells me absolutely no problem. He's probably glad of something to do. Huh? And then he asks me to tell him who the offender is. Now, this offender is in a room of about... By this stage, probably about 25, 30 people. And he's moving around a lot. So it's not possible to physically point to him. So I need to describe him. But the most distinguishing characteristic of him, because he's not doing anything overtly antisocial at this moment in time, is that he is, at this moment in time, the only black person in a room full of white people. But I can't say this to this black security card. Oh, it's the black man. That's what if he thinks I'm racist? Getting him to come up here to eject the only other black person from the building. So my brain is fumbling around, trying to think of a way to identify him. And I'm saying very lame things like, oh, he, um, he's the one in the blue jeans. Although pretty much every man in the room is in blue jeans. Until eventually the security card looks at me and says, is it the black man? And I say... Oh, um, uh, oh, oh, yes, yeah, yeah, him. No, like, like I'm, saying, like I'm seeing his colour for the first time, and I just hadn't noticed before. And in fact, it's taken me a few seconds to even register it now. Uh, and that is why. Could we not just all wear numbers, like at all times, <laughs> like football players? Like, wouldn't life yeah, be easier? Yeah. That, and if radio stations were more diverse. Yeah. And I've also realised that I can never go back and work at a radio station again, as now I'd be the one that everyone called mum behind my back. <laughs> Adrift. Under your control. With Jeff, Lloyd and Annabelle Port. Thanks for listening to the podcast. We really appreciate you being a drifter. Uh, it's a lovely thing to know you're there and you're listening to it. And um, if you want to support the podcast, if you listen to us every week, if you were one of the people, one of the five or six people who tweeted me last week to say, is there not a new episode this Aww. week? Um, you know, if, if it's part of your life, then we'd love it if you showed us a bit of support on Patreon. Just uh, a bit of small change every month. If you've got it, if you've got more than small change, you know, flash the cash, mm. splash the cash. Uh, go to patreon.com stroke adrift. And uh, you put some bonus material on for pay- Patreon supporters this week, I believe. Oh, yes. I had a rummage through the bins. I think that's the $2 and up. I had an actual rummage through the bins. And I found three bonus chapters from my book. The ones that, as I said, they're too good to make it into the book. Yeah, deleted scenes. <laughs> yeah, deleted scenes. Yeah. Um, I'm like, I think it's Danny Bull, the director, who um, once he's made a film, he goes through and he picks his favourite scene and he takes it out. Is that right? Yeah, I can't remember why he does it, but, he, but the thing that's most beautiful, thing that he finds most beautiful, he takes it out again. That's so weird. Yeah, it is weird. I, I now want to see those scenes. Yeah, yeah. Well, actually, you, I think you can see them if you watch the extras of any DVDs of his. That is fascinating. Yeah, yeah. So I'm, I'm just like Danny Boyle, really, just to get my favourite bits. Just there is an expression, it's a slightly unpleasant expression that they use in script writing, which is kill your babies. Oh, right. Which is sometimes people say kill your darlings. In other words, like the things you care about most in a script mm. that you're sort of the most proud of having created. Yeah, yeah. Get rid of those things. Oh, sometimes. okay. Right, it's the same thing there. Move it on, yeah. yeah, so I basically did that, and there, so there are three deleted scenes uh, from the book uh, on, as in the bonus material of Patreon now. And are they the most moving ones? Is it the same thing? The most heartfelt, like Danny Boyle's? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, patreon.com 
stroke adrift. Soon people will know that we don't know what we're doing. Adrift. On to the incident. Now, I saw my best friend, Chris, for lunch today. Okay. Because I've been working in uh, Manchester mm. this week in Salford, and my best friend lives in Manchester. So uh, he, he came and met me close to where I was staying. We had a nice walk, and then uh, we went to a restaurant. On the way to the restaurant, as we were arriving, you know, some five minutes away, he said, oh, I need a wee, but I won't pop in somewhere. I'll go when we get to the restaurant. So we get there, and um, he says, oh, I'm not going to go for a wee straight away, because he'll think I'm weird if I just walk in and go straight <laughs> to the toilet. So we sit down. And I'm thinking to myself, oh, don't go now because let's just order first. Oh, yeah, yeah. And that's what he does. I mean, I don't say this out loud, mm. but, you know, it's, it's the correct thing to do, I believe, in this situation. Mm. Uh, so he waits until after we've ordered the starters. And then um, and then I'm thinking he's about to get up and go to the toilet. Only he doesn't. Okay. I'm thinking, you, you've needed to go to the loo to the extent that I know about it now for about 20 minutes. Yeah, yeah. Like, why aren't you going to the loo? But I do feel it would be sort of slightly odd mm. to bring it up. Wet himself. Then the starters arrive. Right. The second the starters go down on the table, yeah. he says, oh, I'll just pop to the loo. What, but I don't before he's eaten them? And there's food on the table. So I have to sit there watching my food go oh. cold while he goes off having a piddle party. <laughs> piddle party. <laughs> Okay. What's the correct etiquette on this? I asked the Adrift listeners on this week's The Incident. Verity Lewis says, everyone knows the food arrives as soon as you go to the toilet in a restaurant. So order the food, then go to the toilet, then the food magically arrives because you've gone to the toilet and then return from the toilet to enjoy the food together. That is the the Pulp Fiction principle, I think. Oh, that, that feels like the correct order to do it as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Um, Lucy Alice Ingram says, he absolutely fudged up here. Maybe it was a case of the need going away and then suddenly coming back with a vengeance. He should have at least said that you could start eating and that mm. should have been an inordinate amount of apologising before and after the incident. I think you're totally allowed a nibble of uh, whatever's on their plate too. <laughs> was your food hot or cold? Uh, it was hot, yeah. Oh, gosh. Yeah. Our court composer, Emily Harrison, oh. says, You lose, you lose. Oh, that's a good, that's a good yeah. principle to yeah. remember. Yeah. <laughs> You're free to start eating without him. It was his choice when to leave. Mm -hmm. uh, Liam says the same thing. Simple, you eat their starter. Mark Butler says, uh, what you don't do is wait for them to come back before you start yours. All plates hitting the table has to be the acceptable point to start, regardless of anybody else mucking about. Oh, mucking about, yeah. Uh, Ola London says... Uh, Obviously a person that doesn't care about warm food. No, you wait until you've ordered, then go. If there's a line, uh, you might ask your company to order for you. I've not thought about that. I get nervous saying, will you order for me? And I also get even more nervous if somebody says, will you order for me? Because I think the waiters just aren't going to see you if you're a table for one. They'll just think, mm. I'll wait for the other yeah, person yeah, to get yeah. back from the toilet. Um, what else we got? Tim Hutchinson says, while he's engaged... Ask the waiter to take his food to keep it warm. Then embarrassment will follow after they have to request the return of their dish. 
Yeah, yeah, punish them. Find a way to punish them. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Gary Martin says, on the other side of things, it must have been pretty stimulating conversation whilst you were waiting for your food to make someone forget that they need a wee. Mm. So that's a positive, right? Yeah, take that. And um, and Kale Mazza says, uh, and he was worried. The waiter would think he was weirdo. See, because all the drifters now think he's a weirdo. Oh. I'll, uh, I'll give the last word on this to uh, Stephanie Sue, who okay. says, unfriend. <laughs> Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. If you're insightful and aligned, with this vision, you might be ready for the next phase. Jeff Lloyd and Annabelle Port, Adrift. Uh, a couple of um, things not particularly related to anything we've talked about or will talk about. Firstly, you know, I said I was in Manchester this week. Mm-hmm. I love going on the trams up there. Oh, nice. You know, firstly, it's just nice to be back and um, I, I feel very nostalgic towards the toot sound that they, they make. Uh, and then secondly, it's not quite like the London um, Docklands Light Railway where there's no driver so you can get to sit at the front and pretend you're driving. However, the front seat of the front carriage, you are behind the driver who's behind glass so you can see into his little um, compartment and uh, and you, you, his cockpit and you, you can watch him drive and still oh, see out the front window. Oh, nice, yeah. So I was sitting behind the driver the other day and I noticed that on his console, just to one side, uh, just to one side, he'd got probably a dozen pistachio nuts just loose on the side. Okay. I thought that's that's quite an odd thing to do. Hmm. I thought, well, well, I'd be quite excited to see like if he's going to shove them all in his mouth <laughs> at once. I mean, anyway, so we pull into a stop, and I see him reach for a pistachio and eat hmm. it. Yeah. Just the one though. Okay. I think that's weird that oh, the tram yeah. moves off again. Yeah. As we pull into the next stop. He has another pistachio. He has one every star. Yes. Oh, that's so beautiful. Isn't it the nicest thing? It's his little tree. Yes. And he looks forward to the next yeah. one. Oh, my God, that's the most beautiful thing ever. It's great, isn't oh. it? Yeah. I do love little sort of food rituals like that yeah. you've made yourself. Anything that's a little treat as well. There's something mm. lovely hearing stories about treating yourself. So we've got Marks and Spencer just down the road. And I wouldn't generally think, oh, I'll go and buy myself a bag of um, veggie Percy pigs mm. which are these sweets they're a bit like Haribo for people who don't know them but much nicer and they don't have gelatin in them um, you know I could any day of the week I'm a grown up I could go and buy a packet of these things mm. but I never do unless I'm going on an intercity train and there's a Marks and Sparks at the uh, train station. That's your little treat. I'll get myself a bag for the journey. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In the same way as most British people get alcohol yeah. for a train journey. <laughs> yeah, they get one of those glasses of wine that's like plastic with a lid on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so the other thing I was um, I was going to ask you to tell us a, a story of something that happened to you. Annabelle and, I, Annabelle and I took our respective children and uh, Annabelle's dog Rusty Scruff for a week uh, for a walk the other week sorry I'm losing the not only the ability to speak but the ability to string a sentence together um anyway you know 
boring story, but we went for a walk, so mm. we had a chat. Mm-mm. And you told me um, what I thought was quite an astonishing story. Okay, yeah. So um, my next-door neighbour's uh, kid was having a birthday party. It was very low-key, but she invited me and my son and my boyfriend and the next-door neighbours and their son. And, um, and we've both got dogs, me and my next-door neighbours. They said, oh, our son loves dogs. Both bring your dogs. We're like, oh, okay, that's nice. So we take Rusty. And um, we go into the party and we're not there for very long at all. Maybe like, I don't know, about 10 minutes or something when I hear my friend go, oh, oh, ah. And I look over and there's a puddle of wee-wee on the carpet that clearly a dog has done. And immediately I think, oh, God, it must be my dog. I'm sure it must be my dog. There are two dogs there. So I go over to Rusty and I, this might be slightly unusual what I did, <laughs> but I... Um, Just scold him. I make an obs- no, I make an observation of what you might call the, his wick. To find, I want, I'm, in, I'm basically... You might did, call his what? His wick. His penis. No, no, that, the bit of hair that comes off it. It's called so the wick. The bit of hair that comes off a dog's because I've only ever had female oh, dogs. Yeah, I believe I, I might. I mean, this is even more embarrassing sorry, sorry, if I'm wrong. The tuft of hair on a dog's penis called is the called the wick. wick. I think it's called the wick because it wicks the wee wee in a set. It's there for a reason. It wicks it in the right Don't direction. Don't just use wick as a verb. Like, <laughs> like just let that go. I think you mean I, it wicks it. It wicks it. You know what wick means? Like puts it in the right direction. Really? Yeah. Doesn't it? I mean, I, I don't. I mean, the only wick I know is a candle wick. Okay. But... Well, okay. I mean, that once again, I could be very, very right, wrong. Right. So this, then, this might be unconventional, but I staged an investigation to find out if my dog is the culprit, and I, I basically ha- have a look at his willy wick, and I can see that it, it is unfortunately wet, which can only mean <laughs> one thing: that Rusty Scruff, the Teddy Bear King, he's firm but fair, has done a wee wee on the carpet, and I say, I am so sorry. Uh, it's my dog. I'm taking him straight home. I'm so embarrassed. I'll come back and clean it up. So I take Rusty home in, in shame. He has to go in the house on his own. Um, <laughs> it's terrible. Um, and, I, and I'm and i saying, I don't, I don't, honestly, I'm, I, it must be the fact it's carpet. You must get confused and think it's grass because we don't have carpet. Yeah, that, and, that sounds plausible. <laughs> and the other couple with their dog, you know, maybe feeling slightly smug that their dog wasn't the naughty one. Anyway, we get home and I'm talking about it. My boyfriend is saying I wasn't that embarrassing that Rusty did. And he said, let me tell you something. Rusty did not do that wee-wee because he did a wee-wee right before we came in, in the garden. It wasn't him. It was the other dog. But no. what can I do? I can't go back round there now. Like say, oh, by the way, it wasn't my dog with the wee-wee. It was the other dog. It's like the Birmingham Six all over again. <laughs> Terrible. But worse still, I think, is the whole wick situation. <laughs> why don't we? Why don't you go round there, take a tape recorder, secretly record it so we listen to it, and you explain the situation to your neighbour? I think I'll just let them think that my dog weed on the carpet. Drift. Sound effects. Jeff Lloyd, Annabelle Port. Noises. All right, time for Problem Attic. Here we are in Problem Attic in my house, the GLAP Clinic, um, the Knowledge College. This is where if you have been struggling to know what the correct behaviour is in a social situation, Annabelle and I will listen to it and we will tell you what the rule is. Okay, this first one. Sam, a Floridian living in Australia, here with a quandary for you. 
Did I say Floridian weirdly? You did, but then the second time it was fine. Good. That's why I said it a second time. About a year ago, I treated myself to purchasing three pairs of what I believe referred to as invisible socks. I say treated because I'd never owned a pair before. And for some reason or other, I was super excited to buy them. Fast forward six months and I noticed that I'd lost a pair of these socks at some point whilst doing my washing. Not thinking much of it, I told myself that this happened and moved on with my life. But then, sometime after resigning myself to their fate, I noticed my housemate's washing hanging to dry and behold, I see that he has exactly the same brand and style of socks as I do. Instantly, I realised that at some point he, or his wife, must have accidentally, I'm sure, taken one pair of my socks and added it to his inventory of identical ones. My delight at discovering that my invisible socks hadn't simply disappeared into laundry limbo quickly dissipated and was replaced with a rapidly growing sense of unease, as it dawned on me that while I know where my socks are, I have no idea how to actually get them back. (laughs) First of all, I could never imagine a world where I say to my housemate, let's call him Dan, uh, hey, mate, I think you might have accidentally taken a pair of my socks that in the last six months and I would please like them back. <laughs> no, never. I thought about just taking them back when I see them hanging to dry again, but Dan will now be used to having this many pairs of socks and what if the worst should happen and he asks me if I've taken a pair of his socks by mistake? What would I say then? Oh, the horror. Are there any rules for reclaiming possessions that have been borrowed too long or accidentally taken? Kindest regards, Sam Tonko. P.S. My girlfriend got me more of the socks for my birthday in a different colour so as not to lose them. Is that the only solution? It's the principle though, isn't it? It's the principle. I think um, take them back, do a midnight flit, leave the house. What, just leave it? Like, don't get your deposit back? (laughs) Just start again? Yeah. Right, that's your opinion. No, I mean, um, what I think is, it's happened to me, you know, and I think I've just, you, you just have to let it go. You can't see, say I, anything. Th- th- I mean, this is very much out of my realm of experience ah, because yes. I've never sort of done the flat share oh. roommate, housemate thing. Um, you know, my, my feeling is in future you need to sew um, a name label into all your possessions <laughs> oh, or get okay. a Dymo label maker for the ones which aren't sort of sewable. Yeah, yeah. Um, there was one bit that struck me as odd where yeah. you said that he would know how many pairs of socks he had. Yeah, are you really going to know? And, you know, famously, or to the extent that it's a bit of a cliche, people make jokes about socks going missing all the time. And... Yeah, so you're saying he could easily take them back, yes. but he would have to make sure that he never saw them. No, because, no, I don't even think that. I don't think that because the worst thing that's going to happen is that your your housemate's going to be in the same position as you are now. Mm-mm. And it's better for him to be in that position than I've you. Got it. So he takes them back and then he embroiders his name onto them and then there's no way that the housemate's going to think that there yeah, is. Yeah. That's the answer. We did there it. There we go. Great. Very good. Okay, next one. This is from Ross, the Count of Carluke. Hi, Jeff and Annabelle. I have a minor quandary that comes up every now and then, and it's related to emailing people. Although I guess it could be related to general conversation too. But being an awkward human who avoids face-to-face contact as much as possible, I think of it more from an email perspective. When is it appropriate to call someone by a nickname or shortened version of their name in an email? 
Is it when they've used it themselves, i.e. if the email's from Daniel, do you need to wait for them to sign the email off as Dan before you call them Dan? And how big a faux pas is it to do this without knowing if they like the shortened version of their name? Or am I just overthinking this in the way that any good drifter would do? Interested to hear the official rule school decision on this. Okay, well, here's here's my thinking. Your instinct is right. I think people have to let you know what they want to be called. So if he signs off as Dan, that is the time when to start calling him Dan. I think if it's somebody who calls themselves by a nickname, like, hi, it's Wazza here, Mm -mm. you have to know them for between five and ten years before you can start using that nickname. Wow. Okay. I mean, I've. De- I think this is a great one. I've definitely had this before. When, say, for example, a Danielle starts suddenly calling herself Danny, mm. and I found myself unable to say hi. I've st- stuck with Danielle. I don't. I don't. There's sort of formalness in me. I find it really difficult to use a nickname in that way. Yeah. It's... And it, I tell you what's hard as well when you're introduced to someone like a friend, like you've got a friend called Slacky. Yes. And so you've introduced her to me as Slacky, but right. I find it really yeah, hard yeah, to yeah. call her Slacky because yeah, yeah. that's your that's and I don't I mean. know her. Five to ten years. Yeah, you yeah. need to know yourself five yeah, to yeah, ten yeah. years. Yeah, it is um it's a difficult one. Because I will sometimes have it the other way. Where um people will call me Jeffrey. Oh. No, I never ever call me Jeffrey. Mm. Only my mum and Paul McCartney can get away with calling me <laughs> Jeffrey. I just don't like it. Like it brings back horrible memories of us as being a kid and like kids taunting me going, Jeffrey. Or like one memorable occasion uh, when I was in a clothes shop as a teenager and there was a pretty girl also in the clothes shop about my age and I kind of made eye contact with her. And my mum, who was shopping for underpants for me from the other side of the shop, went, Jeffrey! Oh, and no. held up, whilst holding oh, no. up some underpants. <laughs> that's, so, not, that's something out of age your mum. Yeah, I know, I know. <laughs> oh. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I think you've just got to take people's cue on what they want to be called. But if it is like sort of a nicknamey rather than an abbreviated version of a name, Mm -mm. I think you then have to wait five to ten years. The worst thing that ever happened to me on this was, um, I told this story on the radio probably like ten or more years ago. So back in the days when you'd ring a local taxi firm instead of just using an app on your phone, I'd, I'd use this particular taxi firm and they were always like a bit late, like they always were. So I rang them to find out where the, the car was and they said, hang on a minute. And they came back on the phone. They said, uh, yeah, it's, it's just pulling into your street now. It's a silver Peugeot and it's the Chinaman driving it. Right. And I went, oh, right. I was a bit thrown that they said it's the Chinaman. Mm. So I hung up and thought, God, that's awful that they're just calling this guy yeah. the Chinaman. Yeah, yeah. So, so I went downstairs and in fact, the the guy was Chinese, mm. and we got talking, and I really liked him. And it was at the time a time of my life when I was doing a lot of travelling to the airport. And he says, "Look, if you ever need a car to the airport, don't ring the office; just ring me directly. I'll give you my number." I said, "Great." So he gives me my, his number. I type it into my phone. I say, "What? So what's your, what's your name then?" He says, "Oh, they call me the Chinaman." So I say, oh, yeah, nice, but what's your name? I'll put you in your name. He went, no, no, everyone knows me as the Chinaman. Put me in your phone as the Chinaman. Wow. So for a while, I had the Chinaman oh, no. on my phone. <laughs> and I sort of dreaded anybody seeing yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, anyway, send us your quandary for Quandary Corner at the Glap Clinic in Problematic. Hello at adriftpodcast.com.
that was our podcast. We're in the outro. Annabelle's still here in the outro this mm, week. Yep. Um, my voice is so bad. Will you do the, the credits, the thank yous? Yeah, but how am I supposed to remember it? I've written, written down. Oh, for you're me. too kind. Down, so just passing you the back of an envelope there. Okay. The reading glasses are going up. <laughs> Even though you've written in huge capitals. Do you want me to turn a light on? No, yeah, could you? Oh, there we go. Okay, oh gosh, very bright. Okay, so what's, what do I say? Just thank you to these people. Yeah, you know, you say what they did. Okay, so we've got to thank these people because they, they did some good things on the podcast for us. Man and Echo, they did some love. Oh, I love Man and Echo. Man and Echo. Man and the Echo. Yeah. I always call them Man and Echo, sorry. <laughs> I don't like to use a definite article. Man and the Echo did some lovely music for us. I mean, there's some playing now. We're very lucky yeah, to have yeah. uh, Emily Harrison, our court composer, she's yeah. also contributed some beautiful music to this for the, podcast. For the incident. For yeah, the incident, yeah. yeah. Uh, Vince Lynch and Simon Wilcox, they made all our little jingles. They're the voices that they're you hear. They're the voices. They're yeah. the voices that you hear. Yeah, uh, Simon, that's a girl. Yeah. Uh, uh, Iwana Barbu. Iwana. Iwana. <laughs> you, you work with. I'm not power. often in the outro. You worked. You worked with Iwana for I don't know how long. Yeah, that's true. How'd you say it? Iwana. Iwana. Iwana Barbu and Patrick Gunning for the technical support. Yeah, yeah. Um, what does that say? Kim Rainey for the artwork. Yeah. Oh, Kim, yes, love the artwork. And uh, Carla Gowlett for the photos. Yeah, there we go. I won't do um, that again. But no, it was good. It was good. <laughs> Support, wasn't support us on Patreon, patreon.com stroke adrift. And uh, if you uh, want to email us, the email address is uh, hello at adriftpodcast.com. And, and usually what I finish with um, is like some quote from earlier in the episode. So, uh, do, do you think I should go with the both from the same email? Yeah, I think, think I know. I should go with either um, printers, bastards of the uh, office, mm-hmm. or uh, do you want me to teach you to suck my eggs? Mm. What about what? What was the original of the eggs? <laughs> go with the printers. You? Go with the printers. <laughs> Adrift. Adrift. Podication time and Annabelle's going to read the podications because of the state my voice is in. I don't want to get any worse. No, no. okay. Uh, the first one is from Stian Lavik. He helpfully says at the end, or St. Ian to make it easier to remember my Norwegian name. <laughs> I, li- I like St. Ian. Hi there, Annabelle and Jeff. I'd love to request a podication to my son, Elias, 16, who has now become a drifter. Yay! Like myself. We both very much enjoy the awkward and the awkward and stories from the real life and familiarly social and inadequate people. That's we, us. We are both on our way to catching up with the podcast starting from episode one. I think your theory, Jeff, that the further north in Europe you come, the dynamic people are in terms of the social aspects of life hits a nerve. Yes, yeah. Go, go on. Does he add any more to that? We are living in Norway. Yes. I do recognise this pattern. So there yeah, you go. You've got yeah. proof of your theory. Yeah. Moreover, I'm happy that now you're both parents and the potential for new socially awkward stories that brings in times to come is promising. For instance, like the dress-up baby swimming you told about in an early episode, Jeff. That was the first episode. It was the first episode, yeah. I think there is a whole world of situations people with children can have the possibility to explore that others don't. For instance, parents meeting at school, talking about their children's misbehaviour or disagreeing on upbringing with other parents and so on. (laughs) Best of luck to both of you. You have my future sympathy already. 
I'm very excited that we got some Norwegian listeners. I, th- I knew there were a few Swedes mm. because of my time in uh, Sweden, but I've, I've spent almost no time in Norway, but I really, uh, yeah, I really but like I've never it. been. I'd love yeah. to go. I think sometimes the Swedes can treat the Norwegians a bit like their kind of country cousins. Oh, bit, really? But, yeah, a little oh. bit, but that's the scenery. In Norway, I mean, probably the most dramatic in the whole of Europe. And, um, you know, who doesn't like AHA? Exactly. And I very much enjoy the writings of Carlo V. Nausgaard. Yes, yeah, yeah. yeah. St. Ian says, I'm currently doing a lot of travelling to England and London for work since we're setting up a business there. And I would love to have some good recommendations for restaurants and shows to watch. I promise I will not ignore them. Well, um... You see, I, I don't know what you like food-wise, but I can I can do you a few just off the top of my head. So in terms of shows, the Soho Theatre has a lot of brilliant comedy on. Mm-hmm. If you want to see sort of the best new comedy um, in the UK, the Soho Theatre is the place to go. Mm-hmm. They have loads of things on there every, every week and, you know, it changes all the time and they, they really sort of book the best people. And then in terms of restaurants, where have I been recently that I've liked? I, I went to a great place called Noble Rot, which is like a very sort of atmospheric wine bar type um, oh. bistro oh. where I went for my wedding anniversary and I oh, thought yeah. it was brilliant and I think you'll like it you know more if you're a meat eater I don't know if you are or not uh, in terms of Indian restaurants went to a place called Gunpowder last week which is oh. always great I hear that's good yeah uh, there's one called Brigadiers which opened a while ago which I think mm-hmm. is a fantastic Indian restaurant um I don't know what I mean. It's it's there's, there's too many, really, isn't there? <laughs> there are quite a few. There's yeah. a lot of restaurants. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a place called the Good Egg. Uh, there's a branch near me in Stoke Newington, mm-hmm. but also one in Soho, and they do good kind of um, breakfasty delicatessen food and actually good stuff in the evenings as well. Is that enough? I think that's more than enough. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, if you're craving, uh, if you're here away from home a lot and you're craving uh, Norwegian food, there's a place called Scandinavian Kitchen which is on Great Titchfield Street. I always get Great Titchfield Street and Great Portland Street mixed mm-hmm. up, but I think it's Great Titchfield Street, and they're fantastic. They'll have all your things from home and, uh, you know, lots of... I know that they do a Swedish cake that I really like, Princess Torta, on a weekend, and I'm sure they'll have loads of Norwegian stuff too. Okay. Yeah. Right, I'm going to move on to the second one, and this is from James Jameson, as in... James out of James and Rosie. Oh, I know James out of James and James Jameson out of James and Rosie. Okay. Hi, Jeff and Annabelle. No rush for this podication, but sometime before December the 10th would be good, as that's the date that Rosie is due to give birth to our first baby. Oh, congratulations. At the time of writing this email, she's 15 weeks pregnant and had a rough time of it with feeling sick and tired and all the rest of it. But she's been dealing with it really well and hopefully she'll be starting to feel a bit better soon. It's been a rough couple of years for us for various reasons. So I just wanted to say that she's the best wife I could ever have hoped for. And please let her know that I love her so much. I know that she's also got some embarrassing stories she keeps meaning to share with you. But apart from all the time she's spending getting things ready for the baby, she also has one of the worst memories of anyone I've ever known. So much so that she regularly gets the pangs of anxiety that come with embarrassing social faux pas. But most of the time, she can't remember the stories behind them. (laughs) Maybe when she's sat at home doing nothing after the baby arrives. That's how it works, right? She'll have time to dredge them up. Anyway, this is the first time she'll have a podcast 
dedicated to her. So hopefully this will be a memory that sticks. Keep up the mediocrity. Lots of love, James. That's so nice. They are great people, I've James and Rosie. I've got a postscript. Okay. It's from me. It's for you. And it's from me, the postscript. Rosie gave birth yesterday. No. She had it four weeks oh. early. Yeah. She had a little girl called Dottie, which is so lovely. That's wonderful I know. news. Congratulations. So there's a new drifter in the world. Oh, that's so Surely. nice. Surely. Come on. Must they be they are really wonderful people. And I know they've had a sort of time of it. So that's just the loveliest news. He says, trying to stop himself crying. Oh. <laughs> Are we done? Is it's that it's hard to tell with your voice, it is. No, I know. It's, that's, <laughs> yeah. that's a blessing, isn't it? Yeah, so yeah. We're done. Do yes, week. yeah. Uh, if you'd like a podcast, of course, email us. Hello at adriftpodcast.com. And uh, do you just want to recap? Yeah, like yeah. So it is podicated to uh, Stian Lavik's son, Elias, who I think actually is 17 now, but he was 16 at the time of writing. And... From James Jameson to his wife, Rosie, and also to little Dottie. Little Dottie. There we go. Uh, Another podcast next week. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odour control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.